Welcome to the Vascular Forum Podcast. My name is Melina Vega de Zeniga. And my name is Agla Cabalonita. This month's editor's choice is Optimal Pharmacological Treatment of Symptomatic Peripheral Arterial Occlusive Disease and Evidence of Female Patient Disadvantage, an Analysis of Health Insurance Claims Data by Frederick Peters and colleagues. Peripheral arterial disease shows symptoms in the lower limbs in the form of claudication, rest pain, or tissue loss, but is especially relevant because it is a marker of cardiovascular risk. Endovascular and open techniques are focused on limb salvage and symptom relief, but increased survival and decreased cardiovascular events are obtained with optimal medical treatment. Currently, a combination of antiplatelet drugs, statins, hypotensive medication, glycemic control, smoking cessation, weight control, a healthy diet, and regular physical exercise. This paper addresses this issue, PED and its pharmacological treatment. What was the precise aim of the study? This study aimed to analyze the differences between men and women with symptomatic PAD regarding optimal pharmacological treatment. The authors hypothesized that this treatment would be worse in women. What was the design of the study? They used a population-based cohort obtained from the second largest insurance fund in Germany, called Barmer, which covers about 10% of the German population. So it is an observational retrospective study. What patients did they include? They selected patients aged 40 years or older, with the first in-hospital admission for symptomatic PAD, Fontaine stages 3 to 4, or ischemic diabetic foot ulcer, between January 2010 and June 2018. They excluded patients within hospital death or deceased during the first six months post-discharge, so only included those with a full observation time of at least six months. What was the primary outcome of the study? The primary outcome was the evidence of provision of optimal pharmacological treatment within six months after hospital discharge, consisting of at least a lipid-lowering drug, an antithrombotic agent, and a hypotensive drug compared between men and women. What possible confounders did the authors contemplate? They considered age, polypharmacy, stage of PAD, prior outpatient diagnosis of PAD, invasive revascularization or amputation, and hospital length of stay. They also registered variables like diabetes, dyslipidemia, smoking, alcohol abuse, obesity, cardiac disease, renal failure, cerebrovascular events, collagen diseases, hypothyroidism, liver disease, cancer, and depression. The look-back period was five years for collecting information on prior outpatient diagnosis and comorbidities, and one year for assessing polypharmacy. How many patients does this study include? A total of 83,867 patients, 45,436 men, that is 54.2% of the cohort, and 38,431 women, 45.8%. What were their baseline characteristics? Their mean age was 71.9 years. 54% had intermittent claudication. Women were older, mean age of 74.3 versus 69.8 years. They presented more often with breast pain, 13.9% versus 10.4%. Less intermittent claudication, 52.2% versus 55.6%, and similar tissue loss, 34% each, and were more often treated endovascularly, 52.8% versus 49.2%, whereas men were more often amputated, 5.2% versus 3.4%. Women had been significantly less often diagnosed previously with PAD, 
39.8% versus 47%, and they were more likely to receive more than 11 different medication prescriptions, 50.3% versus 44.6%. When analyzed separately by PAD severity, the sex differences in the baseline characteristics were larger in the chronic limb-threatening ischemia subsample than in the intermittent claudication one. What did the authors find regarding their primary outcome? Compared with men, women were less often treated with optimal pharmacological treatment, 37% versus 42.7%, with an odds ratio of 0.89. This difference was apparent for statins. Women received significantly less often lipid-lowering drugs, 52.4% versus 59.9%, with an odds ratio of 0.87. They received similar rates of antithrombotics, 73.5% and 73.8%, and more often hypotensive drugs, 86.7% versus 84.1%. Did this persist over time? Yes. The authors also studied the time trends, and although overall prescription prevalence increased significantly from 2010 to 2018 for lipid-lowering and antithrombotic drugs, the sex gap remained largely stable over time in all medication groups. How did the baseline differences between men and women impact this prescription gap? Adjusting the prescription prevalence for differences in baseline characteristics reduced the observed unadjusted sex prescription gap by 56% for optimal pharmacological treatment, 55% for lipid-lowering drugs, 57% for statins, 31% for vitamin K anticoagulants, 33% for hypertensive drugs, and 78% for calcium channel blockers. The rest of the gap was independently due to gender. There are two remarkable findings in this study. First, optimal pharmacological treatment was prescribed in less than half of these PED patients, lipid-lowering drugs in less than 60%, and antithrombotics in less than 75%. And second, yet again, women fare worse in another aspect of vascular care. Indeed, Clinical practice guidelines clearly recommend pharmacological treatment for all patients with symptomatic PAD to help prevent limb-related and cardiovascular events and death. The benefits of antithrombotics and statins are undisputed. However, in real life, adherence to guidelines varies considerably, as this study brings to our attention and has been documented previously in the Swedish registry data. Some factors that have been hypothesized to affect these variations include differences in reimbursement policies and national priority settings, drug pricing, patient co-payment, access to healthcare and specialists, and variation in clinical practice. All these factors probably have an influence, but it shouldn't be as high as to leave half of the patients without their best medical treatment. Prescription rates were observed to increase in this study from 2010 to 2018 for lipid-lowering drugs by about 13% and for antithrombotics by about 12 to 14%, and this is encouraging, but far from ideal. Awareness is important, both in the hospital and primary care settings, because depending on the country and policy, it will be one or the other which will start and or maintain the pharmacological treatment. Women repeatedly fare worse in vascular pathology. The European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery has recently published reports describing higher mortality after thoracic and abdominal open and endovascular repair. Now they receive best medical treatment significantly less, often despite more severe presentation of PAD. How can this be? The prescription gap mainly derived from the difference in lipid-lowering medication. 
This gap has been mirrored in other countries, with a 3% estimated gap in Canada, 6% in the USA and 15% in Italy. Either women are wrongly perceived not to need this medication, or they fail to receive this medication because of healthcare barriers or lack of awareness of practice guidelines. Women have later and more advanced disease recognition, prevention and management, and this should definitely change. Studies and podcasts like this can maybe help towards that shift. Hopefully. What are the limitations of the study? It was an observational retrospective study, so associations can be inferred but no cause effect determined. The big sample size and robust statistical analysis makes it likely to measure significant differences. Another limitation is the lack of deeper data, like social, economic, cultural or racial differences, which could help explain the findings. These differences were assumed to be similarly distributed between both genders, but we do not know if that was the case. There is also no data about compliance, only about prescription, which could affect the findings even more negatively. The take-home message is clear. Many PED patients, but especially women, are not receiving the optimal pharmacological treatment they need. Exactly, and we must work to correct this. We encourage you to read the full-text paper in the European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery, Year 2020, Volume 60, Issue 3, pages 421 to 429. It is open access, so available for everyone. Thank you, Agla, and thank you all for listening. We look forward to our next podcast. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.